Now, making his way to the podcast studio all the way from Sacramento, California, he eats, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. He is the best self-proclaimed pro wrestling analyst in the world. Wrestling is still real to him, and he is here to keep good wrestling alive. He is the host of Snug Wrestling Podcast, the one, the only, Edgar Avila. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Snug Wrestling. Welcome back if you are a returning listener. I'm your host. My name is Edgar. And you can find me on any social media platform at Snug Wrestling. Be sure to hit me up, like, subscribe, share, comment, and all that good stuff. Today, we're going to be talking about AEW Dynamite, the last episode before going into All In, at least for Dynamite. We still got a collision episode coming up. And it was a really eventful episode of AEW. Dynamite. A lot of stuff went down on this show. But first, let's get into some news. Today we received the sad news of the passing of a legendary wrestler, Terry Funk, who died today at the age of 79. And Terry Funk, he's of course one of the greats, one of the legends, who was known mostly for his hardcore wrestling. But Terry Funk, he wrestled all over the world for over 50 years in every promotion and any promotion you can possibly think of. Anywhere in Japan, uh, from ECW, WCW, WWF, the N. NWA. He wrestled in almost every single territory that you can think of, was really respected and loved by his peers, and he mentored a lot of great wrestlers, including Mick Foley. Mick Foley was one of the guys that learned a lot from Terry Funk's style, not just the hardcore stuff, but in the promos and also the in-ring work. And I've heard a lot of great stories about Terry Funk. Terry Funk was actually there at the Hell in a Cell that took place with The Undertaker and and Mankind. That's the legendary Hell in a Cell match where The Undertaker threw Mankind from the top of the cage. Terry Funk, he was actually one of the people that ran out to help McFoley when the EMTs and the medical staff was trying to help Mankind out of the ring in a stretcher. And McFoley gets off the stretcher and he goes back into the ring. And Terry Funk is actually the person that's trying to hold McFoley back because he genuinely did not want McFoley to go back into the ring and he was genuinely trying to hold him back and also according to Mick Foley the way that that Hell in a Cell started was Terry Funk's idea they had no idea what they were going to do in this match it was Terry Funk that suggested well just start the match on top of the cage and they did and the rest is history Undertaker threw Mankind off of the cage and Terry Funk had a lot of influence in that match so that's just some of the great stories that you would hear other people tell about Terry Funk and many people too not just recently but people have always told stories about Terry Funk if you follow a lot of wrestling personalities they they will tell multiple stories of just how much of a total badass Terry Funk was obviously he was really old school and he wouldn't sell anything he would have these brutal matches and he would just refuse to go to the hospital ah damage just give me some vodka give me some pain pills and I'll be all right and he'd be like 
bleeding internally and having like all these bruises on his body and he was just nah i'm okay so rest in peace terry funk he was one of the greats and i'm sure he will never be forgotten in wrestling now we're going to transition back a little bit to what we were talking about last week or last episode i should say which was about the documentaries and the movies the wrestling movies that are coming out here shortly and we have another movie that's coming out i'm sorry another documentary i just saw today that kurt angle has a documentary coming out on peacock so i'm debating whether or not i want to do a review for this i am gonna watch it because i remember when kurt angle started his career in the wwe and i pretty much saw kurt angle his entire wrestling career professional wrestling career in wwe i didn't really follow him when he left wwe and he had his tna run but everything that he did in wwe i was there for so i'm really interested in this documentary and it should be really good that's gonna be coming out september 2nd here pretty soon in a couple of weeks so we don't have to wait too long for it let me know if you guys are looking forward to this at snug wrestling and if maybe i should do a little review episode for that as well because apparently my documentary review episodes are the most popular ones on this wrestling review podcast which is interesting i should just i think i'm in the wrong business i think i should just go into movie reviews and documentary reviews all right let's uh switch it up here a little bit and we're gonna talk about some modern news and that's ray phoenix ray phoenix he's not gonna be at the wembley at all in it was reported that he had some visa issues and we'll get into this a little bit more as we go over the aew dynamite show that we saw today so let's get into aew dynamite really quick the elite kenny omega and the young bucks they're facing the gun boys and juice robinson and this is a very first match the opening match of the show and it's a jump start and there's bodies flying all over the place there's chairs and even one of the refs gets attacked so one of the refs takes a bump so right off the bat we have all this craziness going on on this AEW dynamite and this wasn't even a match this wasn't even a fight this was just a bunch of guys doing a bunch of moves to each other and there was like 10 people out there i mean let's count them you have kenny you have the bucks that's three so you have the six guys that started out there and then Takeshka comes out jay white is out there that's eight ftr comes out that's 10 and then they all fight off except for kenny omega and Takeshka. they're the last two guys that are left in the ring and i understand what AEW is trying to do here they're you know trying to make this all-in show supposed to be exciting and oh my god this all in is gonna be crazy and let's get the fans excited and just have a whole bunch of people just go out there and but there's just so many people out there that it's hard to keep up what's happening i mean you have ftr that's out there because ftr is facing the bucks but ftr is going out there to help the bucks which doesn't make a whole lot of sense and then you also have kenny omega who's going to be facing Takeshka and the bullet club gold they're out there too and there's just so much stuff going on here here that you really got to be like a hardcore AEW fan to understand any of this so that was the opening segment for this show right off the bat a bunch of craziness MJF he has an interview with Renee and this is a very very interesting interview by MJF as always MJF always delivers MJF is heading to the biggest wrestling show ever so there's lots of pressure here for him and he must win they showed some clips of MJF and some of the cracks 
that him and his bro Adam Cole are having some of the issues MJF he's a super babyface now and he's super vulnerable and he even said it on this interview it's okay to be vulnerable you should you guys should try it and he's a completely different person which kind of worries me because now it really makes me believe that Adam Cole is definitely going to turn on MJF all right so speaking of Ray Phoenix we mentioned before that Ray Phoenix he was having some visa issues so Ray Phoenix is not going to be at all in so the first thing I thought of before this match even started was they're going to do an injury angle and they did so this match starts keep in mind the first match that started was a jump start also so let's count how many jump starts we get on this entire show so we had one with the elite and the guns this right here this wasn't a jump start the bell actually rang so this one we're not going to count it but there's no lockup here ray phoenix and john moxley just started punching each other giving each other chops phoenix hits moxley with the drop kick mox goes out of the ring and clearly just sets up ray phoenix for a tope so phoenix takes forever to run hit the ropes and jump out and mox is just outside waiting and waiting ray phoenix hits his tope he goes back in the ring and phoenix set, sets up for a second tope suicida while moxley is still out there waiting john moxley he rips the mask of ray phoenix a little bit and ray phoenix he's trying to hide his face from the cameras and did you guys see those stomps that moxley was doing on ray phoenix they were pretty funny and of course they do the one two exchange the same thing that they do on every aew match where they're sitting down or they're on their knees and one guy hits one and then you can hit me and then they go back and forth but finally john moxley he ends up beating ray phoenix by submission but it took john moxley like 30 minutes to beat ray phoenix and this is john moxley the guy who's like 79 and 3 in his overall AEW record had a really really competitive match here versus ray phoenix and then after the match we get more people coming out because wheeler yuda and cesaro they beat up on ray phoenix to do this injury angle where wheeler yuda hits ray phoenix with the crowbar so here comes the best friends here comes the lucha bros uh penta here comes orange cassidy and also santana and ortiz come back after months and months of being out of tv but they joined the bcc the blackpool combat club and it looks like those are the mystery partners for the blackpool combat club but someone explained this to me because this does not make any sense wasn't santana and ortiz weren't they really good friends with eddie kingston and weren't they all in a faction why did santana and ortiz all of a sudden decide to join the bcc what am i missing here because again this is another thing that i've said before when it comes to all in people are just getting thrown in there randomly with no explanation with no rhyme or reason it's just so many people so ray phoenix he gets taken out in a stretcher and then it was announced that the stadium stampede went from a 12 man to a 10 man so instead of it being six versus six it's going to be a five on five now okay and this is probably my favorite part of the whole entire show and i say this very surprisingly because we had will osprey and chris jericho on a contract signing and i'm sure we've all seen millions of contract signings before we usually know how all of these go all the time so i didn't have very high hopes for this segment but it ended up being really good i thought osprey comes out and he's dressed like a soccer player he looks like he just came back from his sunday league game 
game. Jericho, he comes out with Sammy Guevara, and Osprey cuts a great fucking promo, and he says that in six months, his contract in Japan is up. And I'm thinking, man, Tony Khan, he better dish out that money to hire this guy. If not, WWE is going to get him, because this guy, he's really good. I've seen his matches, wasn't really a big fan at first, but lately, he's been getting over, with me at least, and I'm, you know, a tough wrestling critic too, to impress, but well, Osprey, he is, he's doing pretty good, and I really like this promo, because he also said that he's better than Kenny, he's better than the Elite, he's better than Punk, and I'm thinking like, oh shit, this guy, he's talking a lot of shit, but he has reasons to back this up. In two months, I'm gonna be the guy that beat Kenny and Chris Jericho. I mean, not a lot of people can say that, so I'm rooting for Will Ospreay here. The only thing that I wasn't too sure about is, is Chris Jericho supposedly the babyface now since Don Callis turned on Jericho and Will Ospreay was working with Callis this whole time and was that Chris Jericho's way of trying to babyface himself? Because if that's the case, it's not really working. Chris Jericho, he's just not gonna be a babyface just like that, especially after being a heel all this time. Chris Jericho has been a heel for months and months. It's gonna take way more than that to make people believe or make people sympathize with Chris Jericho. So right now it's looking like we have a heel versus heel match, but I'm rooting for Will Ospreay to win this one. And we get more convoluted stuff. We get more things that don't really make sense because we had Fox and Swerve versus Darby and Nick Wayne. And this was another jumpstart, jumpstart number two of the night. And this is a tornado tag match, no tags, but I'm pretty sure most of their tag matches are like this anyway. So they should just call all of their tag matches tornado tag matches fox and swerve they kicked the shit out of nick wayne but nick wayne kept kicking out and swerve was celebrating while ar fox was beating up nick wayne nick wayne got the pin on ar fox and swerve pretended like he didn't see and he pretended like he was trying to break the count but it just looked really ridiculous so nick wayne and darby allen they ended up winning this match and then swerve ends up turning on ar fox the show before the Wemley, Swerve turns on his partner. The match was already advertised between Swerve and Fox versus Darby and Sting in a coffin match, but I guess card is subject to change because now it's going to be Swerve and Christian versus Sting and Darby. Now, I don't know if this was supposed to be the plan the entire time. Maybe Aaron Fox also has some visa issues. I don't know, but I just thought it was a little weird the way they did this. And Christian, he cuts a brutal promo on poor little Nick Wayne. That guy, Christian, man, he got no chill. And Darby forgives Fox for all the shit that he did. Era Fox literally recorded himself going into Nick Wayne's house and beating him up in his own house and doing all these things. Darby Allen went to AR Fox's indie show and attacked him. And they did all kinds of shit to each other. AR Fox, Darby, and Nick Wayne during this feud. But now it's all good, apparently. Just like that. All right, we had another interview this time it was the Bucks and FTR and the Bucks literally they have the nerve to say we don't need to win this 
match. They need to beat us. They be in FTR. And I'm thinking, what the hell? The Bucks really think they're hot shit. Just because you started or you helped started this promotion that is AEW and because you're, you're all in pay-per-view that started off with 10,000 fans is now eight times bigger, going to 80,000 fans. That doesn't make you the greatest tag team. FTR, they're the ones that are sitting there holding the tag team championship belts. And the Young Bucks are saying, we don't have to beat you guys. You have to beat us. And it's like, okay, then what the fuck? What, what do those titles mean then? Do those titles mean nothing to you? Instead of the Young Bucks saying, yes, we want those titles. We're going to beat you for those titles because those titles mean you're the best tag team in the world. To me, it just seemed like they were really trying to make FTR look stupid. And I think they succeeded. Cash Wheeler, he didn't say a damn thing throughout this whole interview. And Dax, he kept it really professional. So this interview was kind of awkward and it was cut short. Unfortunately, I wanted to keep seeing more of this because it was really, really odd the way that the things that they were saying to each other, Dax looked like he was really biting his tongue and the Bucks were just putting FTR on the spot. At least that's what it seemed like. But it was definitely interesting to see Sky Blue versus Ruby Soho. And I thought, man, this should be good. And this was a jumpstart. What do you know? Jumpstart number three of the night. Why are these girls doing jumpstarts? I don't know, but they did. And at one point during this match, these girls, they got so winded that they were literally moving in slow motion. But Ruby Soho ended up winning this match. And we have a new match that was just added to All In. And this time, it's the House of Black versus the Acclaimed. The House of Black come out and attack the Acclaimed on a three-on-two. And I'm thinking, where's Billy Gunn? But there he is. Big pop. Billy Gunn comes out. House of Black, they clear the ring. And the match is set. But this time, it's not going to be Daddy Ass. It's going to be Badass Billy Gunn. Could this be Billy Gunn's last match? Could this be his big retirement? If it is, I think it would be a good way to say goodbye to the business and the biggest wrestling show yet with 80,000 people at the Wembley. I don't think it gets better than that. So we might be seeing Billy Gunn's final match this weekend. So then we have the matches for All Out. And apparently All Out is going to be taking place a week after All In, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. And it's also a pay-per-view. And they already have a couple matches set for All Out, which is Christian Cage or Luchasaurus, whoever decides to show up because apparently they're both the TNT champions versus Darby Allen, And we also have Miro versus Hobbs. The matches for Collision on Saturday were also announced, as well as the matches for All In. And Excalibur announced all of them. It was like 15 matches. And Excalibur literally just ran through all of them and just name by name. Luchasaurus versus Christian versus Darby Allen. We have Miro versus Hobbs. And we have this guy and that guy. And we're going to have... Da -da -da -da. And it was just like ridiculous. But he did it. The main event was the Hardy Boys versus Aussie Open. And the match started and they all started fighting. But at least it wasn't before the bell this time. They actually waited for the bell to ring this time. And they start fighting in the ring, outside of the ring. And I was like, is this an another Tornado Tag match? Kyle Fletcher, he called for the double clothesline because they're going to be facing MJF and Adam Cole at All In. And the Aussie Open end up getting the pin. This is the Hardy Boys' like third or fourth loss in a row. The Hardy's been losing a lot lately. And then after the match, MJF and Adam Cole, they have a face-off with the Aussie Open that turns into a brawl. MJF and Adam Cole clear the ring of the Aussie Open and they have their own face-off. So the last two things that we see, the last two people that we see before the big main event at the All-In is MJF and Adam Cole. So let me know what, what do you guys think about this All-In 
so far. A lot of changes have been made last minute. What match are you guys looking forward to the most? Let me know at Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk soon.